What goes into successfully selling a high-ticket offer? That's the question I was exploring in this conversation with Abigail from Savvy Sales Strategy. This was part of a series of expert interviews that I've conducted, and I think it's the perfect one to start off this brand new podcast. What I love about this episode is that Abigail shares insights and tips that I believe really can be applied to all levels of high ticket sales. Of course, there's a big question, what are high ticket sales? That phrase can mean different numbers for different entrepreneurs. I will share for myself personally, I consider high ticket sales to be at least five figure and ideally six and maybe even seven figure offers. But I know for entrepreneurs who have started building their businesses in the mass market sales arena, that high ticket can even mean just a 2K program or a 5K program. So I'm really glad that Abigail was able to share ideas that can perhaps help you at whatever level business you are currently at, whether it's making that transition into your first, let's say, semi-high ticket offers. And then if you're already playing in this space, some other really valuable tips and strategies. So enjoy this conversation and do let me know your biggest takeaway. All right, everybody, we are getting started with another really exciting interview today with Abigail from the Savvy Sales Strategy. Abigail is a sales expert with decades of experience, and I'm so delighted that she's here to share some of her journey and some really high power tips for how you can improve your sales strategies for your ultra high-end offers. So thank you again, Abigail. Thank you for joining me today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Let's even just get started by hearing a little bit about your journey into sales and how you started the business you now have. Okay. I mean, I'm 61, so it's a pretty long journey, but let's just say, I think I started realizing that I was good at connecting with people when I was three or four years old out in Fire Island. And um, I would walk up and down the beach inviting people to my parents' house for cocktails. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I, and then of course, you know, you've got the Girl Scout cookies and all of that, but I've always been in the marketing space and in the brand strategy space. That's really my area of expertise. And, you know, you, it, it, sales is the product of being confident in the brand. Mm-hmm. right? It's the it's that continuum that a lot of people really don't understand the difference between marketing and sales. I, um, I've always been in account development or strategic business building with whatever company I worked for. And then 25 years ago, I embarked on a entrepreneurial journey of my own and started a promotional products distributorship. Um, And I just went out and started talking to people and started problem solving. And I think that's where the strategy really becomes the strength of the sales conversation. I didn't go in asking for an order. I asked to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. And most of the 
companies that I called on, American Express, Alamo Rent-A-Car, Republic Services, they were not used to working with people who didn't just want to drop off 50 catalogs and say, oh, call me when you want to order, you know, 100 pens. And I built my business to a million dollars in, in two, you know, less than two years. So uh, there was something going right to the concept of doing business development and then doing account management that revolved around really delivering a slightly different level of service. And as a brand strategist, so fast forward, I don't really need to continue on, but fast forward to today where I am a partner with a woman who has spent the same amount of years I have in brand strategy and business development and marketing strategy, she has spent it in marketing implementation and sales implementation. And so we make a great partnership because what we deliver to our clients is an end-to-end -end experience. So we are not selling a strategy as it relates to the tactic we're selling. We are selling a strategy as it relates to their business. And then we are selling a plan and then we are selling creation and integration of those elements so that they have a beginning, middle and end and the brand, the marketing and the sales all work together. Our clients are primarily women coaches and they're primarily over 40 and they've want to have five, 10, $20,000 programs or offers, whether it's one-on-one -on -one group retreat, it doesn't, the delivery doesn't matter. And so what they're looking for is the ability to be able to talk to a few clients at a time, bring on a few clients at a time. They're not mass marketing. Um, and so what we do is we don't hunt and peck, but we, well, we do a little hunt and pecking on our end, but the client doesn't do hunting and pecking. So the goal is really to gather and build from there. I already love this idea of the gather and build versus the hunt and peck strategy. And I know this is definitely the question that a lot of people in our community have. Most of the people in our community, they're already successful at a certain level. They know how to do sales. They've already been building a business. But now the real question is, how do I take it to the next level? How do I go from my current mainstream offers into offering something that is more valuable, more high ticket, something with a high end, maybe even luxury vibe to it, going from right. the mainstream to the higher end. And I, I was loving even the distinction you were making between marketing and sales and building up your position as a brand. I think that's a key concern that a lot of people in our community are facing right now as well, is thinking about, okay, how do I have to either recreate or reposition my brand so that I can sell these higher level offers? But I'd love right. to hear more it, about some of your thoughts about that process. Well, it, it, it does all start with branding. So in, in my snobby world of, you know, brand pedigree, I would tell you that your brand is your soul, that is the soul of your business. It's the way you show up. It's who you want to communicate with. So where are you showing up? And it's, a, it's about authenticity and, and transparency, absolutely, at its core level, not just saying we're going to be authentic and, you know, here's the whole non-disclosure agreement. So we're being transparent as well, but it's about truly showing up as a problem solver and truly showing up as somebody who can guide somebody through a process. So if the end result is always, you know, experiential, right? It's about creating an experience. And in the high sales market, 
that's what people are buying. People are buying access more than they're buying content. People are buying intimacy more than they're buying community. So it's important to really be able to make that distinction that that's what you want to do. It may require you to take calls on Saturday morning because that's the only time your client is available. It, you know, so now you get into boundaries and what are your non-negotiables? It may require you to travel because your client wants you front and center and along the journey with them, alongside of them physically, even in this age of COVID, right? You know, what's the difference between a nanny and a, and a babysitter? Or what's the difference between a nanny and a, you know, a, a preschool, right? It, it's about the fact that they want that they want that intimacy, they want that control, they want that structure, they want a slightly different deliverable. So the key question, because everything is reverse engineered, right? When we start working with a client, the first thing is, is what do they want to accomplish? And who do they want to work with? And how do they want to work with them? And so from there, then we can backtrack into what's our message, what's our audience. So to answer your first question, which I know I've gone around and around about, but to answer your first question, which I, I believe I remember, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, about how do I transition what I'm doing now into higher level offers? What you want to do is you want to take a look at your core. You want to take a look at the thing that you love to do that you get consistent results from, that when you wake up in the morning and you've got two of these on your calendar, you are doing happy dance before you are even out of bed. And then what you wanna do is look at what else can I deliver as a part of this offer to make it better? So for instance, one of the things I've always enjoyed doing is, is I like people, I like working in my home. And I've been working in my home for a lot of years. So, you know, what, when I do a VIP day with a client, I want it to be high end. I want it to feel like this person not just got my brain, but got my heart and my soul as well. And, you know, I will cook if I do it in my home or we will go to, you know, the best restaurant in town that I can think of. I will give them time off to relax and regenerate and actually contemplate the work we've done. You know, it's not about cramming everything in, you know, it's, it's, it's about really doing a nice 12, um, you know, a tasting versus the whole bottle, right. You know, of things. That's such a fabulous analogy. And I think even concretizes what we mean by luxury, because even when we start to think about perhaps physical products out in the world, and we think what is the luxury product, it's not the supersize me McDonald's or fast food right. offer. It's that minimalist touch of something that is elegant and elevated and is going to give you that experience of something to savor and remember and enjoy. Right. It's other, tasting. Yeah. It's, it's really, you know, it's a sensual experience because you're, you really want them to ex 
to, to, to be enveloped. You want them to feel nurtured. You want them to feel protected and you want to give them space to be vulnerable. And you want them to feel that they're special. You know, especially when you're charging $10,000 for a VIP day or, you know, $20,000 for a six month program. You're, you're not talking to the masses who don't value that experiential part of their transformation. I was going to say, this was another real key insight I got out of what you were just saying, because one of the distinctions I heard you make was between content and community versus access and intimacy, because certainly I know in the mainstream, that's what we hear all the time online is create all this content, put together community. And of course, these are valuable things. And I think they are a foundation for any kind of business that you are going to create, especially online, especially in the information age. We all know content is how you demonstrate your authority. It's how you start to give value. And community is, of course, a wonderful value you can give. But I, I really love what you're saying here about how we go beyond that into the high-end luxury level is with these ideas of both access and intimacy and creating these incredible, extraordinary experiences for clients. Well, especially especially if you're focusing on, and in our case, we focus on primarily women who are over 40 and they've been successful. You know, they've been a successful corporate lawyer and now they want to teach small law practices, how to whatever, or they've been successful mental health counselors, but as a health counselor, they, they're very limited in how they can market. As a life coach, they have much more flexibility in how they market. They, they could have spent 20 years in an HR career, you know, climbing the corporate ladder or sales training or engineering team building or, or whatever. And now they want to go out on their own. So there's a couple of dynamics that come to play. One is they're used to having resources available to them because they only do one part of it. I always say, you know, when we talk about money, a good example is money, right? The salesperson makes the money, but it doesn't allocate it or spend it. The marketing person spends the money, but they don't make it or allocate it. The accountant allocates the money, but they don't make it or spend it. So, you know, when you walk on to a boardroom and you're sitting at a table and you say, well, I understand marketing, but you're an HR person, you only understand the marketing that's being communicated at that boardroom table. You have no idea for the most part in a big corporation, what that manager is bringing back to his team and all of the nitty gritty that goes into running it. So the other part of really serving the high level client well is you showing up in as having the resource network you know i say outsource everything you don't do well by far it'll be the best financial and time investment you can ever make so i only do a very small part of our business yesterday for instance a good example and she is our ideal client we onboarded a woman who's probably in her 50s, maybe early 60s, who's been successful in corporate America, has been trying to get an online business off the ground, 
And she just has struggled at every point. She struggled at marketing. She struggled at sales. She struggled at technology. You know, she struggled at all of the places where 90% of us struggle because we're all good at something, but not everything. And so we had on our call yesterday, our whole team. And yes, we probably did kind of overwhelm in terms of we're going to do this, this, and this. But now what we'll do is since we gave her the big picture is we will break it down into smaller pieces. I think, especially when you're talking to high level clients, you want, you don't want to overwhelm them in the beginning because their first initial reaction will be to retreat. So you want to keep it in a step-by-step -step format. And, you know, I, I say this all the time and Tammy, my partner wants to whack me upside the head every now and then that, you know, we grow with every client we work with because we get the client and then we want to deliver a different level of service. So that's the other thing that I would say to your audience as, you know, some, as, a, as, a, as coaches or consultants or people who are building businesses is that it's evolutionary and it's progressive, right? Don't go in thinking you have to have all 10 points of high level client expectations, delivery, onboarding, you know, analytics, whatever it is met. You do it in phases as you feel more confident. I love this point you're making that the client, when you take them on, let's say as a consultant or a coach, you are going to help them evolve. But the very act of taking on that client and solving their problem is going to help you evolve as well as exactly. the expert, as the consultant. And such an important point for all of us, I think on an abstract level, we know that we're continually supposed to be growing and developing ourselves, but we forget that our business is the means that allows us to do that. That what it is to be the expert is not to have solved everything and now just dole that out, but to ourselves be in this process of evolution, growing through the experiences that we offer to our clients. Yes, because we can't, you know, we can't see the gaps in theory. You never see the gaps in theory. You can only see the gaps in application. You know, I mean, unless you're an Einstein or a Sheldon Cooper or whatever, you know, from Big Bang Theory. And they have right? their own gaps for sure. And they don't see the gaps they have, you know, because they've got to have it on paper and work on it for months and months. We don't have that luxury. We've got to get into motion to actually see what's working and what isn't. So, um, you know, the, the concept of scaling a business is really all about getting rid of pieces that no longer serve you. So if you've been in the group world and you wanna to go to the one-on-one -on -one world because it's more exclusive, or if you've been you know, in domestic retreats and wanna to go to international retreats because they're a little more exclusive, there's different challenges right at, at each level. And you have to understand what what are the key things your market is looking for that would say, instead of spending 997 to go to Idaho for three days on a meditation retreat, I'm going to spend $10,000 to go to Idaho, to, to go to, you know, Italy on a, on a 10 day meditation retreat because of everything else that's being included. And you have to understand what's 
what 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 really is changing here because not only could it possibly change your community i mean and it and it will to a point right the person who buys a $1000 program there's a very few percentage of those people that will buy a $10,000 program so now you're talking to a different audience do you know what that audience needs you know, along the way, some clients will grow with you. Some clients will say, you know, thanks. I'm glad the first retreat was in Idaho because I was afraid to travel overseas or invest that amount of money, but I've got so much out of everything. I, I'm going to follow you wherever you go, but you have to be willing to understand how does the client need change at different levels of the business building. I hear you saying too, that as the entrepreneur, it's how perhaps you might need to change. I think sometimes entrepreneurs, we learn that I always call it the, the bottom up pyramid where you're going to start by attracting clients at a freebie or low ticket offer level, and then sell them into something higher and higher and higher. But you're making the point that I have found, I think is very true that the clients who are going to buy at a certain level are not necessarily ever going to be the clients that are going to buy at that highest level of the market. So that right. if we want to have these high ticket offers to sell to clients there, maybe a couple of our clients will grow with us and grow into that level. But we perhaps need to think about how we're going to change our business, how we're going to change our brand, our marketing, our offers to be attracting a totally different audience, whether that's replacing the first audience or in addition to the audience we're already serving, but as entrepreneurs, how we might need to change our own approach and thoughts about who our audience is if we want to have these high ticket offers. Right. And, and that's the reason why, for the most part, a marketing funnel looks like this, right? It's a, it's a big down. So you bring people in through marketing offers and over a period of time as the price or time or, you know, program changes, it, you get a, a smaller and smaller audience where a sales funnel sometimes can go up because <laughs> the sales funnel, you're, you're working a, a slightly different a slightly different perspective. And, and you're right. I mean, there are plenty of people who are very comfortable. The, the biggest challenge that we, that we have is when there's been somebody who's been out there, who is a true expert, who, you know, started out with a $2,500 product, let's say, didn't get anybody into the eight week cleanse or whatever it is they were doing. And so said, well, it must be the price. I'm going to bring it down to a thousand or 500. Mm -hmm. And before you know it, it's $297 for eight weeks of loving and amazing contact. And you're, you're thinking to yourself, why is this person doing it? And they're like, well, because that's what the coaching model and the mass marketer model has. And I always say, remember, they already have audiences of tens of thousands of people and they do affiliate marketing where they're giving away half of it anyway. So do you really want to be that person? I mean, do you want to bring 200 people into a program or 10, you know, they go, well, I'd be happy bringing 10 people. Then it's just as hard to find the same 10 people in this marketing confusion that I call social media, because you think you're marketing when you're really posting you're not being strategic. You're kind of testing every message out there. You're testing every potential audience out there. You're still being too broad for as many years as we've been hearing, you know, niche yourself. 
I, you, you're still being too broad. So the the challenge is, is that is working with people who are willing to say, I am going to fight, right? Because it's an internal battle. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sabotage battle. It's an am I worthy battle? It's do I have confidence battle? There's a whole lot of dynamics that go in, but it's to say, you know what? I'm worth five. This program, what I'm delivering, is worth five thousand dollars or twenty five thousand dollars. And if you have that courage and that commitment, you will be consistent and you will be confident. And if you can be consistent and confident, then somebody isn't going to buy your program or not buy your program based on the price. They might buy it or not buy it based on the confusion of the message or the timing, or they're really not your ideal client. You still have to work on those elements, but they're not going to not buy it based on the price for the most part, if they see the value and they want to work with you. We're almost out of time, but I'd love if you could just pick up something that you said way back, but I want to come back to, which you had mentioned before that you're someone who loves to work from home. And so you've made that clearly part of your boundaries and your offer. So I'm curious if you can say more about how you think about your own boundaries and then also serving what your high level clients are looking for and and finding that way to make it go together. Yeah, so that's a great question because I've actually just been working on a presentation that goes, it's not about balance, it's about boundaries. You know, everybody talks about wanting to achieve balance and I go, balance is a fallacy. I don't think any of us wanna spend all day on one leg. You know, it is about creating boundaries. And I was very, very blessed. I was raised in an entrepreneurial family where work was not a four letter word. And I enjoy what I do. I mean, I will talk to a client at two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon if that time works for them. I'm also blessed with the fact that I have a husband who's a nurse. You know, my daughters are grown now, but my daughters were raised with me getting on the call at seven o'clock at night. And the reason I got business was because I answered the phone at seven at night. And, you know, so I am probably not the best person to talk to about boundaries, but here's the thing. You have to identify your own boundaries. To me, my boundaries are very lax. I really don't like to work when my husband is home and he works nights as a nurse. So there's a couple, you know, he's now traveling, which makes it even easier because he goes someplace else to travel and I have more free time. So I'm, I want to be there for my clients. To me, access is critical. That is a, that is a non-negotiable. I want my clients to know that we, Tammy and I, and our team are available 24-7. That does not mean we're going to respond 24-7. But that basically means like if you send me a message on Saturday that says, hey, do you have any time on Monday? I'll give you a time on Monday. That takes two minutes to look at my calendar. If they're in the middle of like, I've been working on this and is there any way we can chat? I'll look at my calendar and say, my husband leaves tomorrow. We can meet tomorrow night. Does that work for you? So boundaries, I think are absolutely critical. And I don't ever want to tell somebody what boundaries they should or shouldn't do. But here's the other side of boundaries. You have to be willing to give up business. So when I first started my career in advertising in New York City, I had a lot of headhunters approaching me for alcohol and tobacco advertising. And I said, no, 
Not that I don't drink, but I didn't smoke. I don't support it. And so that was, those were non-negotiables for me. I worked on packaged goods. I worked on other types of transactional products, but I didn't want to work on alcohol and tobacco products. You have to know inside what feels right for you and what doesn't. That's so beautiful and such an important lesson that I think everybody in our community is going to want to need to hear. So let everybody know how they can find out more if they want to connect with you and your team. How can they do that? Yeah, we are everywhere. So we're, I think we're on LinkedIn. I know we're on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm there as Abigail Tiefenthaler. I think we have a business page as well. I, again, I'm the strategist. I'm not the implementer um, <laughs> or the tech person. Uh, I'm on Facebook at, as Abigail Tiefenthaler. Savvy Sales Strategy has a Facebook page. We have a, a public group and we have a private, we have a free private group where we've got a 30-day training in there, which is called Implementers with Impact. Because most of the time we'll say, you don't need another coach, you need an implementer. So I, you know, and I, I actually, you can call me. My phone number is, I think, on all of those contacts. So feel free. Thank you. That wraps up this interview. But be sure to subscribe to the Successfully High End podcast and check out our premium Substack newsletter, Aspiration Pursuits, to find out more.